Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, your liberty-loving Latino amigo, and I am here at 77 WABC in New York City. I'm at Rich Valdez on Twitter, at Rich Valdez on Parlor, and all of the social media. And New York City, Mayor Bill de Blasio, Bill El Bobo de Blasio, must be stopped from destroying the city. New York needs a Republican to clean things up and turn this ship around. Now, just like New Yorkers need to slow down for a second and look at how bad things have become under a progressive Democrat, so does the rest of our country. To realize that these policies can not only kill a city, but they can also kill an entire country if you let them. For example, Joe El Baboso Biden has taken things really slow. Despacito, if you will. Biden busted out his cell phone yesterday at a Hispanic Heritage rally and played this. I just have one thing to say. Hang on here. <laughs> All right. There you go. Dance a little bit, Joe. Come on. I tell you, my man. <laughs> I tell you what. If I had the talent of any one of these people, I'd be, I'd be elected president by acclamation. Now, the feeble Biden was very endearing. It was really cute, like a cute grandpa kind of moment, because he's a very endearing kind of guy. When he was introduced at the event by Luis Fonsi, who sang the song with Justin Bieber. So, está bien, very apropos, right? I suppose. Maybe not. Now, of course, Biden was afterwards accused of hispandering, pandering to Hispanics. Now, you tell me what's actually pandering. Playing a song on your cell phone after being introduced by a Spanish music star or hosting a back-to-back series of roundtable meetings with Hispanic business owners to find out what's actually happening in the Hispanic community. You tell me. One could argue that Biden was campaigning, not pandering, but even the Democrats are accusing him of not campaigning amongst Hispanics, especially in Florida. And we already know how he feels about other ethnic minorities. You know, like the black vote. You got more questions, but I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. It don't have nothing to do with Trump. It has to do with the fact I want something for my community. Because he said, come on, if you don't know the difference between me and Trump, then you ain't black. We know that. He's on the record. So I'll let you decide on that. Now, let me know. I'm at Rich Valdez on all social media, at Rich Valdez with an S. Speaking of campaigning, President Trump recently did a town hall on ABC News with George Stephanopoulos, who was the Kayleigh McEnany of the Clinton administration. Unlike Joe El Baboso Biden, President Trump is willing to go into enemy territory with unfriendly media and take questions from a hostile audience, something Joe Biden's not willing to do. One of the questions which he took from the floor at the town hall was from 
Flor Cruceta. Flor is an immigrant from the Dominican Republic, and she shared her heartbreaking story of losing her mom to breast cancer and COVID-19. She delivered a heartfelt message from her mother to Donald Trump to thank him because they had access to the American dream, and it was her dream to ask the president how others could have access to it, too. For the record, they both became citizens. Listen to this. I came in 2006 with my mom from Dominican Republic. Sorry. That's all right. And just take your time. That's fine. George has plenty of time, I hope, right? Absolutely. Thank you. Did you say your mom got COVID? Your we mom. come from the Dominican Republic in 2006 to live our American dream. But she forgot how to take care of herself. And she died last month. Sorry. Terrible, and that's okay. It's okay. One of her biggest dreams was to become a citizen to both, and she did. She did 10 days before she died. And I did it too. She pushed me so hard to do it, and I did it this past 28. I'm here because of her. She was supposed to be here and ask you and thank you for the, the stage you take during, during this epidemic. You made people closer. What would you do for our immigration system? What would you change to make more people like me and like her to become citizen and both? So we are doing something with immigration that I think is going to be very strong because we want people to come into our country, people like you and like your mother. What an amazing story. Now, you can hear the passion in her voice, the gratitude, how she earnestly loves America and wants others to experience American exceptionalism. And let me tell you, the Dominican Republic is one beautiful island. It's literally where I would like to die, to retire on a beach house, spend my final days. My ex-wife has family in the Dominican Republic, and I visited the island. I love this gorgeous island, and I love the amazing food that it has to offer. But still in all, Flor Cruceta decided to leave the beauty of the Dominican Republic with her mother. And she honors her mother, her mother's dying wish to find out how more people can experience the United States of America. Because contrary to Governor Cuomo, essential Andy Cuomo, who says America was never great, America is great. America is great when it was founded against tyranny. America was great when it freed the slaves. America was great when it defended the rest of the world against fascism. America was great during the Industrial Revolution. And America was great before the divisive, divisive, however you like to say it, and oftentimes godless Marxist rhetoric of Democrats like Barack Obama, who reintroduced a hatred for police. Marxist mouthpieces like Bill El Bobo de Blasio and essential Andy Cuomo, who earned that nickname because he hosted this daily press conference during the Wuhan China coronavirus. And it always ended up turning into a story about his mother and about meatballs and how Donald Trump did this, not me. Speaking of Cuomo, he's been taking some heat for a deadly decision that he made to require nursing homes and subacute rehab facilities to accept COVID-positive patients 
that were convalescing and commingling them with the elderly population with compromised immune systems. As you can imagine, this resulted in thousands of deaths. This has become a national headline thanks to the courage of Dr. Elaine Healy, the medical director of a New Rochelle, New York nursing home, whose organization called Cuomo out on it, and she actually did it by calling me. She was calling the Mark Levin Show, but I spoke with her, and I could hear in her voice how much she cared about it. She didn't care what political repercussion would come. She knew that people were dying because of a bad political decision, and in all respects, likely one that they wanted to make Trump look bad with. Despite all of the pushback on the issue, Cuomo has still not relented until yesterday, nearly six months later. So now there are family members who've lost daughters, who've lost dads, who've lost moms, and they're organizing and they've raised their voices for these seniors who died as a result of Cuomo's reckless executive order. And we're going to check in with the founder of one of these groups, another American of Puerto Rican heritage, right now. So keep it locked right here. I'm Rich Valdez. You're listening to This is America. This is America. In times like these, it's so important that we focus on the facts. I always tell you to focus on the facts. I think you hear that everywhere you go, and that's because facts are irrefutable. It's the bottom line. It's the real deal. And in times like this of uncertainty, we need to rely on the facts. I get my facts from JustFacts.com. That's F-A-C-T-S, JustFacts.com. Go to JustFacts.com and sign up for their newsletter. JustFacts.com forward slash rich. Just put my name in there and you'll get it for free. JustFacts.com slash rich. This is America. All right, America, welcome back. I am Rich Valdez with an S at Rich Valdez on all the social media platforms. And I want to talk about Essential Andy Cuomo. Essential Andy Cuomo, this guy's really difficult to understand because he makes mistakes, then he doubles down on the mistakes, then he comes back out as of yesterday's New York Post, he's saying he's going to relax some just some of these stringent guidelines where he was forcing COVID-positive patients into nursing homes. As you know, this has caused more deaths across America, really in New York, but it's put up the death rate across America higher than it should ever have been. Now, there's a group in New York, Voices for Seniors, and it's headed up by two sisters who lamentably lost their mom. I want to bring Vivian on the line so she could tell us a little bit about her story. Vivian Rivera Zayas. Vivian, welcome to This is America. Thank you for having us. We want to thank you on behalf of all seniors, including the veterans who've lost their lives, um, for allowing us to tell their stories. Amen to that. And your mom was going for a routine knee surgery. And tell us what happened. She became infected, apparently, with the COVID. And we were not told. She was supposed to be there for four to six weeks for therapy. And when therapy was over, they just dragged their feet to discharge her. So we get a call finally on March uh, 27th saying she's going home. When we called her to tell her the great news, we noticed that she's now hoarse. And we're like baffled, thinking, Mom, if you get sick, they're not going to send you home. So we tell her, just get well, get some rest, and you're going home in a few days. We were excited. We just thought it was the average cold. We were never told that there was COVID or that she had been exposed. But we became very alarmed on Monday when she's supposed to go home. And she's not answering the phone. And we, we found that very baffling. So we called the director, and they tell us, we have no clue why your mother's having trouble breathing. And we were confused. We we're like, she's ready to go home. You're telling me she's going home, yet she's having trouble breathing. They offer an oxygen tank and we refuse. We we're like, something's wrong with our mother. Please investigate what's going on. They then let her sit around for a couple of hours waiting for an x-ray. She goes into respiratory distress that evening. 
and she dies two days later. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry to hear that. So having been through something so traumatic and personal for you, how do you uh, react to this article in the New York Post from yesterday saying that the governor's finally relaxing some of these restrictions? Well, our, our group has already rallied in front of Cuomo's office twice. And the, upon the second time, which was uh, a week ago, we now hear that he's relaxing the guidelines. But it's actually insufficient and very late. Today, many seniors have declined and deteriorated because they're losing their will to live. They're depressed. They're isolated. And in this case, the cure is actually worse than the disease because family members now have to scramble to get tested. And some nursing homes are still only allowing outside visits, even though the temperature is dropping. And there's a double standard. Why is it that staff can go out, be exposed to, uh, you know, out in the public, and they're the ones who get to touch our seniors. And we have heard that in some cases, some of these staff are attending BLM uh, rallies and riots, and they're the ones who come inside, touch our seniors, yet families still have to stay six feet apart. That's crazy. So what, what's your opinion right now, I guess, of the governor moving forward? How, how do you think, can he fix this? Is there something that you expect of him to do, or is it now just war? The first thing we expect to do is we want answers. We want to know how many seniors died. And that's, that's the first step to get accountability and justice for our seniors and also to, to enact reforms, because this could never happen again. It just can't. Now, tell us about your group. Uh, am I right? Voices for Seniors? That is correct. Voices for Seniors. And um, what's your goal, the mission of the organization? Our goal is to get reform and justice for the seniors that we lost. And that includes our veterans because, it's, you know, they're in the mix. So and it starts by getting an accurate number so that we can just protect them. But the reality is that we hear stories after stories of neglect and abuse. And this has been going on for a long time. And all COVID did was peel the roof of the nursing home so that we can see that there's inadequate care for our seniors and they deserve better. I think you're 100% right now. I know you guys are planning a rally. Tell people how to find out about it on your website. Give them the web address. So the web address is www.voicesforseniors.com. Um, we have a large presence also on Facebook, voicesforseniors.com. We have state chapters, and we're really excited that September 26th at 1 p.m., we're going to be in Yonkers at the Veterans Memorial Plaza. Janice Dean from Fox News, who lost also her in-laws, will be joining us, as well as Rob Astorino, Ron Kim. We're a bipartisan group. Seniors died on both sides of the aisle, and they deserve better. Excellent. Well, Vivian, we thank you for joining us. That's Vivian Rivera Zayas from Voices for Seniors, VoicesForSeniors.com. Thanks for joining This Is America. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Now, we're talking about Andrew Cuomo, essential Andy Cuomo, who decides who's essential and who isn't, whose job is essential and whose job isn't essential. Now, many months later... Now he decides to, quote-unquote, relax COVID-19 nursing home restrictions. And, of course, this comes amid protests from groups like Voice, Voices for Seniors, like Voices for Seniors and so many others. Check this out. New York Post. The Cuomo administration is relaxing coronavirus restrictions at nursing homes to allow family members in-person visits with loved ones for the first time since the pandemic hit in March. The announcement comes Tuesday by State Health Commissioner Dr. Howard Zucker. Only three days after relatives of nursing home residents held a rally outside the governor's Manhattan office protesting the restrictive policy. The new policy resumes with limited visitation at facilities that have been without COVID-19 for at least 14 days, which is half of the previous 28-day rule. And that's been in effect since July. That's all fine and dandy and good for them. I have a family member that was in a nursing home and was also on this type of lockdown in Jersey and saw 
her this weekend and was very grateful to have seen her and thought to myself, well, thank God she's okay, number one. But number two, I thought to myself, look at all the people out there that don't have the opportunity to see their loved one again. And are we going to continue to blame this on Trump? The other day, somebody asked Andrew Cuomo what he would respond to critics who are faulting him with this deadly policy. And he unabashedly said, blame it on Trump. Listen to this. Donald Trump caused the COVID outbreak in New York. That is a fact. It's a fact that he admitted and the CDC admitted and Fauci admitted the China virus, the China virus, the China virus. It was not the China virus. It was the European virus that came to New York. They missed it. They missed it. The China virus went to Europe. It got on a plane. It went to Europe. They never even thought of the possibility. And then three million Europeans got on the plane and came to New York. And they brought the virus. January, they brought the virus. February, they brought the virus. March, they brought the virus. And in mid-March, the federal government does a travel ban from Europe. Mid-March, too little, too late, Mr. President, he caused the COVID outbreak in New York. Donald Trump and his incompetent CDC and his incompetent NIH and his incompetent Department of Homeland Security. So there you have it. Essential Andy Cuomo blaming the president. Donald Trump. Donald Trump did. I didn't do anything. It was Donald Trump. You've got to be kidding me. I realize that our federal justice department has their hands extremely full and they're spread extremely thin because they've got to get the interstate terrorist people with Antifa and Black Lives Matter terrorists and all this stuff. I get it all. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. The deep state actors that tried to set up the president that made an attempt at having some sort of coup, I get that too. But if there's no federal oversight, they're screwed. Vivian mentioned Janice Dean from the Fox News Channel, who lamentably lost family members of her own and was scheduled to testify. And then they bumped her off the list of uh, folks that were giving testimony. And then she finally got her chance to testify. And ultimately, the judge and the jury are all one and the same. It's Essential Andy Cuomo from the Essential Andy podcast making decisions about himself. So let me see. Did I do something wrong here? No, I didn't do anything wrong here. That was Donald Trump. Donald J. Trump. Coronavirus. Blame him. And that's it. That's all he's got to do. Shift the blame. Put it on Trump. Yeah, basta. Enough. Come on. You can't do that. You just legit cannot do that. People aren't stupid. Groups like this one and others across America and mainly in New York, they're not going to forget. They're going to organize. They're going to raise money and they're going to come after this guy. It's a shame that he doesn't care. 
It's a shame that he doubles down. If he'd show some humility, that might help him. But I get it. That's how it is sometimes. That's the same criticism that President Trump gets, right? They say, oh, he can never admit a mistake. He can never do The fact is, Donald Trump didn't kill all these people. He didn't make a decision to put people in nursing homes. And that's just a fact. It's irrefutable. Only one person made that decision, or at least only one person can be held accountable for that. He may end up firing Zucker one day and saying, yeah, you know what? Our bad. Zucker did it. Just like uh, de Blasio did with his health commissioner, Dr. Osiris Barbo. She wasn't very brown that day. As Curtis Liu would say, her complexion was not her protection that day. Things have gone so far. There used to be a little bit of political gamesmanship and things, and you would call them out, and the pressure of the media being the watchdog of the American people was enough. Now the media is no longer the watchdog of the American people. The media is complicit in the cover-up. The media is complicit in the coup. And in this situation, I'm using poetic license, if you will. It's not a coup. It was a deadly decision, a terribly deadly decision that Cuomo himself has acknowledged. It would be like throwing a match on dry grass. America deserves better. New York City deserves better. Our seniors deserve better. Let me know your thoughts. I want to know, should we hold Andrew Cuomo accountable and how? How do we hold essential Andy Cuomo accountable? Hit me up on Twitter at Rich Valdez. Hit me up on Parlor at Rich Valdez with an S or on any of the other social media. I'd love to hear from you. Keep it locked right there. I'm Rich Valdez. You're listening to This is America. This is America. He's making podcasting great again. This is America with Rich Valdez. Bienvenido, America. Now, check this out. Earlier this week, I was checking out the forest fires because I was texting back and forth with a buddy of mine that's in Portland, Oregon. Big shout out to my man, Ernie Ernesto. He's in... Portland, Oregon, his lovely bride as well, Sarai, what's up? How you doing? Now, check this out. He was telling me about these wildfires and how they keep catching people committing arson, burning down people's property, homes, you know, taking advantage of a terrible situation of poor forestry management. And this was before it was being reported in the media. This was about like last Saturday, last Sunday, early Sunday. So I was reading up on it, and finally the articles start to circulate on, you know, in the major media that this is actually the case, that people are getting arrested. And I, I put a screenshot up on my social media. If you want to check it out, it's on all of the social media. I'm at Rich Valdez, at Rich Valdez with an S. And I'm looking at a couple of uh, articles in a Google search. The first one from Oregon Live, which is one of the main papers in Oregon. It says, man arrested, charged with arson in connection with Southern Oregon fire. Second article, NBC News. Facebook to take down false reports of Antifa arson in Oregon. Huh? <laughs> Let's keep moving. Next story. Fox News, authorities arrest four in connection to possible arson fires along the West Coast. And there's more articles, but I don't need to go on. By now, this, again, I'm flashing back to last Sunday, early Sunday, and I was getting word of this on Saturday. It's clear that there are people in custody. Their mugshots have been all over the media. Their names are on the public record because they've been arrested. Yet, NBC News was reporting that Facebook is to take down false reports of Antifa arson in Oregon. Now, all I could say here is, this is messed up. Now, of course, this is from a couple of days ago, but Oregon and Washington and California are still burning. Multiple people have been arrested. People that are, I guess, we're going to call suspected to be with Antifa have been arrested, burning down forests, private property, etc. in these three states. These citizens have been arrested. So this fake news headline from NBC News in effect, in my opinion, it's to cover and condone the Facebook censorship 
because they don't want people to see that these people are getting arrested. So they're going to say it's fake news and they're going to clean up your Facebook feed so that you don't see that people are committing arson, that it's just, uh, I believe, climate change is the culprit for the forest fires. Meanwhile, people are getting arrested for that. And what's interesting is these climate change effects that they're claiming don't happen just north of the border in Oregon, which borders Canada. There's no fires in Canada. If you go further down to California, just they have a southern border. In Mexico, they also don't have fires there. The fires are only in three mainly Democrat-led states. I'm not making it up. I'm just pointing out the facts. You tell me. This is why I like Parler. This is why I like alternative sources of social media because on Twitter, you get shadow banned. Facebook does what the hell they want to do. And we need more freedom and more options. So that's why I want to bring in somebody that knows all about tech tyranny. Alan Bakari, he's a tech editor at Breitbart News and is the author of the new book, Deleted. Alan, welcome to This Is America. Hi, Rich. Great to be on. Thank you. So tell me a little bit about, you know, what's going on with your book. And just to give you some context, I was telling the listeners a little bit about how Facebook was claiming to be uh, tamping down on what they called fake news about the arson arrests related to the forest fires that are happening all over the West Coast, when in fact there are multiple arrests happening. And I felt that ties in so well to what you're writing about, at how they're suppressing people's speech and how there really is a tyranny with these technocrats. Am I wrong? Well, here's the thing with uh, all their efforts against so-called fake news and so-called misinformation. Um, my, I have sources inside Facebook and Google who I interviewed for this book, and they tell me all of these efforts that big tech uh, implemented against so-called misinformation, fake news, and conspiracy theories, they were all implemented right after Trump won. So they were clearly a response to the election. And they tell me that the most vocal anti-Trump people inside those companies, they were the ones who pushed for these initiatives and, uh, and joined them once they got off the ground. So they are not being run by impartial, politically neutral people. They aren't really interested in clamping down on misinformation. They're interested in clamping down on anything that undermines left-wing narratives. I think and, you're 100% uh, you can see right. that because no one who... No one who ever pushed the nonsense Russia conspiracy theory, you know, you had Rachel Maddow mm -hmm. uh, saying Vladimir Putin was blackmailing Donald Trump. Crazy conspiracy theory with no evidence to support it. That's never been tagged as misinformation by Facebook or by any other social media platform. So it's clearly one sided It's being run by anti-Trump people. And it's one of the uh, it's one of the many ways big tech is undermining pro-Trump messages or anti-left-wing messages ahead of this election. It's just another way to manipulate uh, the election. Now, five, six, seven years ago, earlier in my career, I worked with Project Veritas, and I was in charge of their national strategy, managing a lot of the undercover reporters. And some of the reporters that were in the field had discovered and brought back video footage, undercover video footage of people at Facebook. And again, this is five, six, seven years ago, saying that the, the, the Twitter people admitting that they would, quote, shadow ban people that were Trumpers. So this is what you're describing is that, but on steroids, it seems. Yes, and the really dangerous thing isn't, uh, is as you say, the shadow banning. The overt banning is bad. We've seen you know, numerous prominent Trump, uh, pro-Trump voices getting purged from these platforms, denying millions of potential impressions to, uh, to pro-Trump narratives. But uh, the even more dangerous thing is the stuff you can't see, the stuff we can't detect. 
So because these companies know so much about us, they can build profiles on different types of users. So they know what a, a pro-Trump user looks like, how they talk, the kind of sites they link to, the kind of issues they talk about. And they can use that knowledge to essentially turn the volume up or down on entire movements. So we have no idea how many sort of grassroots movements that Silicon Valley has actually prevented from getting off the ground over the past four years. What I think is even scarier, and I think that's a solid point, but the fact that like just today, uh, FBI Director Ray says that they've uh, captured and suspended and identified with the help of Facebook multiple accounts that were related to Russia that were designed to influence the election. And that's this morning. So I look at that and I think this isn't just a bunch of lefties in the Silicon Valley that say, hey, I don't like Trump and it's political bias in the workplace. This is really foreign influence in many cases. Yeah, I mean, the, the whole foreign influence thing is interesting to me because Russia did not have anywhere it, that any influence they had in the election. They didn't have any influence on the election result last time round, really. And even uh, political psychologists have, you know, done some research into the effect of so-called Russian bots and propaganda. They found that, you know, most of the messages in 2016 that did come from foreign agents were reaching people who had already made up their mind. Mm-hmm. So uh, it really had very little impact at all. The real danger is from the Silicon Valley companies themselves. Oh, they no have question. more power than anyone else over these platforms. But yeah, they have, they have the motive to use it. They have the technological ability to use it. And they, uh, they don't have any law or regulation or oversight stopping them from uh, meddling in the next election. So why wouldn't they? Right. No, it makes all the sense in the world. But regarding today's news, and again, it's relatively from this morning, but saying that they did capture these things and they believe they're linked to Russia. So you're thinking, uh, is it similar to 2016 where there wasn't much, uh, as you're noting right now, that there wasn't much influence by Russia or if they were, they were influencing people whose minds were already made up? Or do you think there's something more sinister at hand? No, I, I would say it's a similar strategy to what the Russians did last time. The, the, I think the point of uh, things like that isn't uh, what the Russians get from it, isn't, you know, influencing the election result. It's sowing, sowing panic and discord in American politics yeah. and undermining faith in, uh, in American institutions. And the Democrats and the media really helped them out uh, in that mm-hmm. regard because they just fueled the panic completely. Right. And losing faith in these institutions... Uh for example, faith in the institution uh, of voting <laughs> and our democracy, uh, if you will, as a republic, that is obviously something that they were famous or I should say infamous for in the Soviet Union. Now, I want to move over to a similar topic with um, other news from today with the announcement that Rumble.com, the video platform, uh, Dan Bongino getting involved to provide more of a uh, free speech platform, kind of like he did with Parler. Uh, what are your thoughts on that and, and overall, I guess, on the landscape of tech tyranny? How do you think more conservatives are going to get into into that foray? Because I've long argued that if the left wants to own Twitter and they want to own Facebook and YouTube, then we have all the right and ability to go and do the same thing. It's a free market. So let's have our own thing. Well, several problems with that. First of all, uh, these tech companies act as a kind of racket. They band together to, to uh, defeat ideological competitors. We mm-hmm. saw them doing this with, uh, with Gab. So Gab was this free speech alternative to... Um, Gab.com. Uh, Gab.com, yes. Yeah. You can still go on Gab.com, sign up for an account. They uh, try and protect all First Amendment protected speech. But uh, they were banned from both the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store. And when you consider the fact that uh, Google and Apple between them control 99% of all smartphone operating systems worldwide, that's the entire smartphone market. So... Um, 
it's very difficult for competitors to emerge when there's this duopoly that can actually prevent your product from reaching consumers. So that's one of the problems you have. The other problem you have is that platforms like Google, especially in search, the reason why they still control, I think, 90% of searches worldwide, another huge monopoly, is because they just amass so much data on everyone. And because they have that entrenched advantage, they can just tailor their search results to a level that uh, none of their competitors can match because none of their competitors have access to the, that vast amount of data. Uh, and the third problem is that social networks are sort of natural monopolies in that you want to be on the social network that has all the people. That's the value of a social network. A social network that's just getting off the ground doesn't have very many people, doesn't have a lot of value to people. So why would you choose that one over Twitter? I can see why conservatives would choose it. But the real trick is getting those non-conservative consumers as well if you want to mm-hmm. build a serious competitor. And the uh, fi- final problem I would say is that even if there are competitors, there's still no industry-wide standards. So we exist in a world today where you know people increasingly turn to the internet for their livelihood, to do their jobs, uh, for school even, as this has escalated during the pandemic, but it was going that way anyway. Uh, but when all of your commerce, all of your business depends on these platforms, whether it's you know Amazon or a Facebook page or a YouTube channel, you need some level of protection for that. Uh, but, th- but there isn't any. They can essentially destroy your livelihood with the push of a button and you have no legal recourse. You can't even take them to court because they're protected by special legal privileges, uh, legal immunities that Congress gave them in the 1990s. And that's an insane situation. I mean, uh, a hot dog stand on a corner has more rights to appeal his eviction uh, in court than the owner of a million-dollar Facebook page or the owner of a million-dollar YouTube account. That's a crazy situation for businesses to be in, I think. You know, and you bring up a solid point because, in effect, you're saying it's difficult to be a competitor if they don't let you into the market. You can compete once you're in the market, but if you can't get into the market, you're shut out, you're done. So the book is Deleted Big Tech's Battle to Erase the Trump Movement and Steal the Election. The author is Alan Bukhari. And I want to thank you for joining us on This is America. The book is available on Amazon, I presume. Anywhere else they can get it? Yeah, if you go to deletedbook.com, uh, there are multiple ways you can purchase it. Uh, Amazon, as you said, also Barnes & Noble if you, uh, if you don't want to use one of those evil tech companies. Excellent. Well, Alan, thank you again for joining us on This is America. Thanks, Rich. Great to be on. So there you have it. Big tech. People are swinging. People are fighting back. Big dogs like our buddy Dan Bongino. But still, if you can't get into the ring, how do you actually have a fair fight? Point well taken. That's why I always say you got to stand for something because if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. And like Sir Edmund Burke said, the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to sit there and do absolutely nothing. So rise up and do something. Until next time, America. Hasta la próxima. I'm Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. 